Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You play to win the game. Now, let's take it away, JC and Phil. It's Inside the Gamecocks, the show. JC Sherbert here along with Phil Mullinax. We were off yesterday for Labor Day. That's going to kind of be the M.O. You know, we're, we're probably going to take holidays off, folks. You know, uh, you do this Monday through Friday, uh, Phil and I, and, uh, you know, you need a, a, a day off when it calls for it, right? <laughs> um, you know, I and I feel a little bad because, it, you know, first game of the season and all yeah. that. Uh, but we're going to do plenty of review uh, today. We're going to do heavy uh, into the mailbag. We got plenty of mailbag questions, so that's going to be up first. And then um, we have uh, the middle edge with Sawyer Knicks. Then we're going to go back to more chat box and mailbag. And then we have Trey Betty from Hogs247. Uh, he's going to come in, or Hogs247. He's going to come in and talk a little about Arkansas as we kind of shift. Uh, and then also Keith Allsep will join us for his review of the game. Uh, and then, you know, it's going to be interaction other than that today because that's kind of what you got to do uh, after a first game. Uh, whole poll question is up uh, on Twitter, on thebigspur.com. Uh, and also on our YouTube channel, over under 125 and a half yards rushing against Arkansas. So uh, I will say this, the unders have it significantly right now. Yeah, probably an overwhelming majority. Yeah, which is not a surprise. I mean, you know, and I, I think the Gamecocks certainly are capable of doing that uh, a little bit better. But, man, the numbers don't lie. You, you get 79 yards of total offense and plus uh while we're apologizing here uh, i want to apologize to the the listeners uh, out there i this was the worst game uh, i've ever had uh, in my career as far as breaking down what what i thought was going to happen mm. and uh it, you know i thought carolina would be able to run the ball they could not i thought the gamecocks may struggle to stop their run and with the exception of two drives they did not uh you know i, I was worried about the kicking game well, that was dumb. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, I just I just kind of thought about it. And I was like, well, I, I got the point spread. The point spread was 30. It was 21. Uh, the game guys did cover as far as final score goes. But uh, as far as how that game, I mean, I, I need to probably sharpen myself up a little bit because that was just – that was inexcusable. And, um, you know, as far as I was concerned, I mean, I usually at least get one thing right. But I got nothing right uh, for that game. And what's crazy, Phil? Like my picks for this weekend around college football mm-hmm. against the spread, I, I won a lot of them. You know, <laughs> well, it's seven and three in my uh, little pick'em league this week. So, yeah, yeah. And, the, and the one I lost was uh, South Dakota State and Iowa, which was the most uh, the ugly game I've ever seen. But but the um, most Iowa game you've ever watched. <laughs> yeah, it was two, two safeties and a field goal. And they went seven to, to three. All right, yeah. our chat boxers are loud and proud this morning. Craig says today should be interesting. Missed the score by a point, 35-13. Frederick says the game was okay. There are some good young players on defense. Yeah, Cocky Gaming, heck yeah. Heck yeah, 1-0, baby, undefeated. Brian says, morning, fellas, go Cox. Uh, Clint says, really impressed with the freshman guys in the secondary and Gilbert Edmond as well. Player of the game was Mitch Jeter. Mitch had two 50-yard field goals. Uh, Again, the worry about the kicking game. Uh, I guess I could put that one to bed for yeah, right, right now. What are we going to do without Parker White? Well, we're gonna yeah. keep him down 50 yards. Keep keep hitting 50 or, yeah, and Mitch has a, a strong leg. I mean, he always mm-hmm. has. So uh, that was good to see that he was accurate. Um, obviously, two block punts for touchdowns in a game. I, I don't think that's happened 
the last time the Carolina had two for a touchdown for touchdowns, I think it was in the swamp in 2000. Uh, first quarter, Gamecocks go down there, block two punts for touchdowns. They're up 21 3. And then Steve Spurrier figured out the defense. And uh, he was coaching at Florida at the time, right? Yeah. And 41 uh, 21 was the final there. Uh, but if Carolina had won that game, they were going to go to Atlanta. So it was kind of a, an interesting mm-hmm. game. Xavier says, listening from north central Washington, a brisk 60 degrees and sunny. Outstanding. Uh, Clint says the LED lights were pretty cool, too. I loved it. I thought, I thought. Yeah. The atmosphere at williams Bryce looked the best it's looked in years. I mean, yep. with the lights, the and look, Gamecock fans, uh, you showed up. I mean, there's so many games that were have been significant over the last four or five years where the upper deck was kind of empty and all that. That was a huge crowd. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Gamecock Walk, by the way, we put the video up on our Facebook page of the Gamecock Walk. Well, that was probably the best I've seen it. No, um, but maybe for yeah. maybe for those of you there, it wasn't. But for me and, and for my dad was good. Uh, good morning, fellas. Uh, that's right. Cocky Gaming says I'm all the only one that thinks Manscapes a perfect sponsor for a podcast that covers Gamecocks. I'm really trying hard not to use the nickname based on sponsor alone. <laughs> um, <laughs> look, man, it is a it is a perfect sponsor. They, they sought us out. And by the way, the, the show is presented by Manscaped. Twenty percent off code Big Spur. Uh, you will help support the podcast if you take advantage of this special offer. Um, also, I uh, want to remind you that the first hour of our show is always presented by Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, in the upstate real estate uh, agent. Uh, several of you have, have used her and think the world of her. And uh, we do, too. We do, too. We love Cindy here uh, on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Cocky Gaming says, any idea the status of KJ Jefferson? He was living pretty bad at the end of the game. Uh, I watched Sam Pittman's press conference. At least I got through half of it. Sam, Sam doesn't talk that fast. You know, he, he, <laughs> it, ta- it takes a while for him to get things out sometimes, but he, he's, I love listening to him. Great coach, great dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, you know, I, he said nothing about that. They are banged up in the secondary. Uh, they got to figure some things out on the back end. Uh, I thought Cincinnati did a good job against the Arkansas defense on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how the Gamecocks can do. But I thought Cincinnati played uh, better on offense than I thought. They weren't as good on defense as I thought they'd be coming in. Uh, but it was a good game. Uh, it was, you know, Arkansas had it in hand. They won by seven. They had it in hand. Uh, but 31-24, Razorbacks got off to a really good start, uh, beating a good Cincinnati squad. And, look, I, I think Georgia State's a good team, too. Oh, yeah. uh, I just uh, – it just kind of is what it is when you look at the offensive stats and the inability to run the football on Saturday night. Uh, Craig mentions Arkansas may have a few DBs out this weekend. Uh, Ryan says defense and the freshmen were impressive. Good things to look forward to there. Spencer, JC. Um, Blake says linebacker played the best they've played in years. Johnson, Kaba, and Debo Williams played fast and tackled well. Debo needs to play more. I'm in agreement with you there, yeah. uh, Blake. Spencer says fans showed up, unfortunately, so did Sat. No comment there. Yep. Uh, one thing I noticed is that, that again, Mitchell regard the block punts was how poised they were scooping the ball after the block. You can tell they emphasized it in practice. Yeah. Rashad Amos got one, and then DQ Smith got one. So how about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, two guys that I think have worked, you know, to kind of put themselves in position to play this year. DQ oh, yeah. Smith's a big surprise. But I, I thought he played well. I thought Kwan Banks had some good moments when he's in there, and then Nick Emanuare, uh, the freshman safety with a big stop, a key play in the game, key play yeah. in the game. 
Um, Brian says, do you think we can make her an agreement with Arkansas just to play seven on seven? (laughs) (laughs) Probably, probably. Uh, Clint says, Gamecock was incredible. There were so many people there. Uh, Israel, solid win. Got to find a way to get Van more involved next week. Yeah, Josh Van Austin Stogner, if you're talking about the passing game, Mm-hmm. Uh, those guys didn't do a whole lot. Steiner got a couple of targets. Um, those guys obviously are needed, but I'll say this. Juice Wells, Jaheen Bell, and uh, shout out to Jalen Brooks. Jalen Brooks. I don't think anybody saw that one coming, but nope. uh, I, I hope some of you can see why when they got him from Wingate, you know, two years ago, people were excited. Sometimes it just takes a guy a little while and then he missed half of last year. Uh, but, he doesn't look like he wants to drop the ball this season. No. So, um, and that's good because he's capable of doing things like you saw Saturday night. Ed says LED lights were great. Lots to work on on the acoustic. The pipe in Gamecocks chant was annoying. Great crowd. Student section left early per usual. Uh, Cocky Gaming says the Debo's hit had Swearinger vibes. Yeah, he was flying all over the place. Just speed, yeah. speed, speed, speed. I love Debo really Williams. Yep. I've always thought his issue uh, was more of like getting used to playing linebacker at this level. Because mm-hmm. uh, he's got good instincts. He seems to make things happen. Folks remember like South Carolina blocked two punts in the opener last year and uh, they didn't return for touchdowns but uh, Debo had both of them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Spencer mentions R.J. Roderick's absence will allow the younger safeties to get valuable PT. Yeah, uh, and I and I think him and Warre and, and and Smith both are ready. I mean, those guys don't look like they're lost or anything like that. Um, Rick says, "Why not get Nate Adkins or Travian Kenyon in there in line to give Rattler more time?" I'd try anything if I were them. Yeah, um, it's, yeah. <laughs> it, it seems like Van has problems with zip on Rattler's passes, having issues with drops since Rattler come on campus. And the pass he dropped in the game was pretty bad. It was. And, uh, you know, he, he dropped some. I think he's pressing. Uh, this is a big year for him, right? Uh, I think sometimes when you try, you can try too hard. Uh, so he's in the tr- tries too hard posse <laughs> right now. <laughs> Um, I think he just needs to relax and let the game come to him, and he'll be fine. But, yeah, that, that's a concern. Uh, my understanding is it was a concern. Uh, they have a really good preseason camp, and then now there you go there. Uh, Nat says, watching you, Sherbert. Hello. That's my fiance. <laughs> um, Craig says, leave him and worry in at safety. And we've seen enough of Roderick, plus he's six inches taller, and can help against a really big receiver and running back team. Uh, Smith was ripped in the post-game presser. He's hit the weight room hard. Yeah, he's very physical. Yeah. All right, that's the Nana Sports chat box. Uh, overall, and, and I'll just quickly give my thoughts on the game. I put some up on thebigspur.com. That's kind of how I feel. You guys watched it. Uh, I, I don't know what the situation is on the offensive line uh, and why it continues to be a struggle. And, they, you know, the rest of the team's playing one speed and they're playing another. Um you know, is it talent? I, you know, I would say that and get behind that if every single one of these guys hadn't individually at points in their career played better. Um, so I don't know. Uh, are they asking them to do too much? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I would hope not after what happened last year. Um, I, I just think that, uh, there needs to be a better performance. That said, I, I will say, and, and, and you know, on the other side of the equation, I will say Georgia State, their style of defense is designed to just cause havoc all the time. 
I mean, it's kind of like if Sean Elliott picked out his own defense, you know, <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's called, it's designed to cause havoc. Uh, it's designed to kind of, Hey, we're undermanned in this game, but we're going to be have people in your face all night. Uh, that's what they did to Tennessee a few years ago. That's what they did to Auburn to stay in it. Um, they give up points, but, you know, and I do think the Gamecock offense should really look, take a long look in the mirror, everybody, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. because of what happened. Uh, but it is tricky. And uh, sometimes when you play a team with a different scheme and, you know, you, you, you sort of got to, you know, what I would have done, and if there's any second guessing on my part, and it's Monday, it's Tuesday morning quarterback in here. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure, Phil, that instead of getting in five wide early, and as Shane Beamer said after the, the thing, they were trying to attack the perimeter. I, I think it's all well and good. But uh, I'll say this, I, you know, against a team like that that wants to just cause chaos in the backfield, uh, I, if you've got an advantage, maybe they didn't feel like they had an advantage, you know, you just line up and run over them. You know, and you get them on their heels. And, you know, that way they can't rush upfield because – you know, they're crashing in there and, and you pop one out, your running back's gone. Um, yeah. Maybe they just felt like they couldn't get a push. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's interesting with that five wide, though, because you got six people coming at you, five, six, you know, yeah. defensive guys coming at you as fast as they are, blowing your line up. And, and the only throw you have is behind the line of scrimmage to the perimeter. And then, yeah. <laughs> And, and, and I get the and, thoughts. Yeah, but a good wide receivers have got to block better and, you know, yeah. got to make a guy miss. But <laughs> I'll tell you this, the daggone wide receiver blocking was, as, uh, <laughs> as as Spurrier says sometimes, said sometimes, it's sad. It was kind of sad mm-hmm. uh, at times. Um, you know, so so I, I think that, you know, maybe there is a, a better way to do it. I, I think it's kind of six, one, one, half, one half dozen of another. You know, because if you do attack the perimeter – that neutral that also neutralizes what they like to do. I just, you know, when you're playing a team that's not as big as you are, uh, I think you at least got to try to line up and get them moving backward. Um, you know, Missouri essentially did the same thing last year to this offense, and the results were, you know, somewhat similar w- without the win. Um, so anyway, uh, just we'll leave that there uh, and, and and keep that going. All right, so. The mailbag. I help consulting mailbag. We're going to ask, uh, answer these questions, get them out of the way. Um, and uh, there's two ways to get in the mailbag. You can tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. Uh, you can also email inside the gamecocks at gmail.com. We're going to work our way through these because we've got three guests today. And we're going to work our way through this, keep caught up on the chat box because I know with it being the first show, you know, you're going to want to interact. First show after a game. You know, Dr. Rob comes in and says, JC, I hear a lot of talk about the offense is struggling due to O-line talent. But I have to think our O-line is at least as talented as Cincinnati, who held up versus Arkansas. Is it scheme or O-line talent that's holding the O back? I, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, when you talk about talent, I, I, I like I said, I've seen all these guys play better individually. Um, are they, you know, the question becomes – you know, when you're with what you're asking them to do, are they suited for it? And I mean, in football, that's kind of the way it is. You can be a good player, but sometimes, <laughs> you know, if you're asked to do different things, that's not your ball game, right? <laughs> um, you know, that's that's not necessarily what you're great at. So uh, I don't know. Uh, we'll find out. I mean, you know, I, I think South Carolina's 
in pretty good shape uh, in the future, offensive line-wise. Uh, I'll say this. I was very surprised uh, that the O-line played as poorly. Or, or I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just going to go ahead and say the blocking in general was as poor yeah. uh, as it was Saturday night uh, across the board. Uh, did I expect perfection? No. I think I've, I've said many times that's unrealistic, but – I mean, you only rush for 79 yards against, an, uh, you know, a, a good uh, group of five team, but not, you know, a dominant group. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe they end up dominant. Who knows what's going to happen? I was just very surprised they didn't get a consistent running. I and mean, that's one of the things I was wrong about because I started thinking. I was like, well, against their defense, you know, what you probably want to do, what, what they're probably going to do is line up and just run it. And that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Uh, effectively, that didn't happen game plan-wise. It just uh, didn't happen. Cosmo Davis uh, tweets in, Phil, is it possible to analyze Adkins without the influence of SAT? I see less talented units across the country who competently run block and pass protect. What do you think, Phil? Uh, you know, we I don't know because that's the, we're at a deficit there because we don't know specifically what the scheme is, right, and how it's supposed to be executed. Um from a visual standpoint, they look the part, but they're just not acting it. So that's what we've got to drill into and figure out is, is it, is it because the calling and the scheme is incorrect or, you know, how much, how much influence does Atkins have on that? Yeah. And I, I don't know. I, I'm just, uh, it's know. just bewildering. I mean, we're all like, here we are again, you know, 14 times we've seen this. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it's a little frustrating, you know. I'm I'm still willing to chalk a lot of it up to maybe some first game stuff, big, you know, huge crowd, you know, but these guys should be I don't know. I, don't I mean, they're know. all they, veterans. They've played here before. They've all yeah. done it before. They're all veterans. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that's nice. the baffling part. Marshawn Lloyd did come out on Twitter and, and kind of something out of character for him. You know, he he said everybody just needs to chill, they'll get it right. So yeah. We trust if we trust Marshawn on that, that's fine. Uh, some of you that are on Twitter that are tweeting mean things uh, to the offensive lineman and to Marshawn Lloyd, that don't don't do that. Yeah, it's, that it's, it's you know listen. that's a loserville man. Come on, you can uh, improve. You guys can improve. Let's hope they do. <laughs> Ryan says Sat wants to emulate the Panthers and the Rams. Maybe you should emulate Georgia Tech on how to neutralize an aggressive defense. Yeah, I'm not, I think Georgia Tech did a good a good job of that last night for through three and a half quarters. But yeah, I mean, Clemson, Clemson it was mean, just a matter of time, you yeah. know. I think on that one, yeah. um, you know, kudos for Tech if they claimed a moral victory. But I mean, we've all watched Clemson play Georgia Tech how many times through the years, and this is the most lopsided that series has ever been. Mm -hmm. I mean, when forty-one to ten is a moral victory, you know you're in trouble. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Gamecock Pastor says this is a layup question, but curious to see if we're on the same page. Which freshman stuck out to you as someone that could be an impact player the first half of the season? I'm going Emin em Wore. Got to, got to. I mean, he played his heart out. Yeah, gave it all. Thought, and that's what you want to see. Really, really good. Really, really good. On all that, uh, Xavier says, and I have an idea of your negatives. Probably the same as everyone else. What's the biggest positive takeaway from the game Saturday that you didn't already know? Uh, Nick Emanuele was one. I thought that uh, the D-line uh, against the run uh, played better than expected. The linebackers, uh, which were an issue last year, 
Uh, even Sam Pittman said today in his press conference, yesterday in his press conference, that South Carolina's got really good linebackers. So uh, whatever he watched on film, you know, he picked up on it too. So I think, I think that's one of those things where, you know, that's a, a you know, that's a positive, right? Because the yeah, linebacker yeah. play last year left a lot to be desired. Uh, I know the stats were kind of ugly, uh, 200 rushing yards. But if you really, like I said, you break it down, I think they got 60-something at the end and 60-something at the beginning. Uh, other than that, not, uh, you know, not 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 that dominant of an O-line performance. No, but I think the middle of the defense really is the biggest positive, you know, just yeah. all the way by all three levels, you know, safeties, yeah. linebackers, and the inside in the interior line. You know, Boogie, I thought, had a good game, looked pretty good and fast out there. So, yeah, you know, I you're going to need it this too. week. Yeah, you got to get <laughs> KJ Jefferson and Rocket Sanders mm-hmm. and everybody else. We'll talk big old boys coming at you this week. <laughs> talk to Trey Betty here in about 38 minutes about all that. But uh, this is, well, JC, game one is in the books overall. Thought, this comes in from John inside the game at gmail.com. Yes. Overall, I thought the defense looked good. I agree. Yep. Offense looked okay, but the O line didn't. Rattler made things happen, but he was under duress most of the game, and the running backs couldn't get going because of the line. Is our O line that bad or just due to the first game? Well, John, you have to hope. It's the latter. I mean, yeah. I, I still, I mean, I'm still baffled that these guys had had the same issues uh, on Saturday night. I just, uh, I don't know what it is, where the disconnect is, why, you know, I don't want to get started with they looked confused again because, you know, sometimes the guys just blew right by them. That's yeah. not atypical for these guys. I mean, it's not typical for these guys, right? It's. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we've seen them line up and beat people before, so I'm not sure. I'm just not sure about it. I mean, you know, you just got to hope maybe, hey, Georgia State kind of threw a curveball at us, and, you know, maybe in that game they threw some new wrinkles and, and it confused the guys. That happens. I mean, people got to realize, too, the other team's playing, too. You know, yeah. you could do all you want, and the other team's still going to have it, and they're still going to try to fool you and, and, and show you things that weren't on film and stuff like that. Uh, Kevin said, just a quick credit for win number one. The punt return team that returned those two blocks were Kwan Banks, DJ TQ Smith, Peyton Mangrum, Rashad Amos, Trey Kenyon, Xavier Leggett, Debo Williams, Jalen Brooks, Marshawn Lee, and Amarian Brown at the deep gap. Uh, JC Pittman said that Arkansas beat up after the Cincinnati win. Uh, do you think it's more or less a key to the game for the Gamecocks to win the special teams play at Arkansas to have a really good chance of winning a tough game there? You guys are great. Made my August. Keep it up. Bates West, Kevin. Bates West. I say that every time, man. I just had a lot of good times in Bates West at one point. Um, <laughs> all right. So, uh, I, I, is it the first game? I, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's like, you know, right now, at this point, I, mean, I don't even know what I'm supposed to say because it, 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 it was shocking to me. The whole way that game played out, shocking. Even in a good way, shocking in a good way, because you don't expect two block punts, two 50-yard field goals, a fake field goal. Uh, you know, really, uh, special teams played really well. And to your point, Bates, West Kevin, absolutely. Anytime you go on the road uh, in this conference and you can win the special teams battle, it's extremely helpful. It's extremely helpful. Oh, and yeah. and it's, mm-hmm. it's a big challenge this weekend. Tristan says, well, JC, I got so much to say, but I'm trying not to go full-fledged crazy after week one. I don't know how many ta- weeks I can take before I reach my boiling point. 
how much more time to get this crap on offense fixed? There's no excuse for it. And I don't care what people say about me being negative. Those people don't know football, the state of the program, and the opportunity we've had this year. I'm choking on chill pills right now. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like I said, I'm, I'm going to give it – I'm trying not to be overly negative right now. It was the first game. I think you could look foolish doing that. I also think you could look foolish pumping sunshine and saying, oh, everything's fine. Uh, so my, my position is sort of neutral. Everything is not fine. Right. But it is, but it is a first game. So, uh, how about that? Um, Noah says, JC, how would y'all evaluate Coach Sat's game this week? Did he improve enough over last year? I thought he was at least creative in his play calling this week from Raleigh Noah. I don't think creativity's his issue. No, I, I, I think you know there's some things he throws out there that you're like, you know, even Sam Pittman mentioned that today. They do a lot of stuff, but I think that also may be the issue. Sometimes, uh, you know, not, not, I'm not, look, I'm not, we, we talked this thing to death last year, folks, you know, I, let's wait and see. Um, I, uh, I would hope not, you know, I would hope not, Let, let's just put it that way. I think, you know, sometimes you can try to do too much at the college level. Um, I don't know if that's what's occurring right now. Um, you know, and, and, and all that good stuff. Tristan says, is Greg Atkins, the head recruiter on the O-line commit? If so, it's going to be tough to make a move if need be. Yeah, we'll see. It happens, though. Mm -hmm. And so uh, there we go. We got five more questions left uh, in the iHelp Consulting mailbag we're going to get to later. Going to catch back up on the uh, chat box here real quick. Uh, Easy the Goat says, JC, worry about the O-line like you worry about the kicking game for good results. Clint (laughs) says, uh, get Wanamaker in at guard. I could get behind that. Yes, I mean, you know, Vershawn Lee has been – Really, really solid since he's been here. Uh, did not play well the other night. Uh, Javon Gwynn, Eric Douglas struggled. Uh, I thought the tackles were decent. Um, but Wanamaker, yeah, getting him in may – you know, he's a big physical guy, right? Uh, long-armed on the interior. You know, I, I can make a point for that. And, and, and my whole point on the big spur today was – Look, maybe they need to start looking at some other guys. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, you've you've kind of seen what you've seen out of these guys, uh, and, and you know, uh, like I said, unfortunately, we've seen them all play better, but there's some kind of disconnect there. And when they made moves last year, quite frankly, Phil, when mm-hmm. they got Wanamaker in at tackle uh, after Wanam got hurt, uh, when they put Lee in the lineup, they did get better. Was it yeah. ideal? No, but they did get better. Yeah, but uh, it was an improvement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Israel says, feel like it's difficult for Sats play calling to be successful when the offensive line's struggling this bad. Well, anytime you can't get a push up front, your quarterback's running for his life. Hard to disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stacy says, I think Georgia State would beat Georgia Tech by two touchdowns. <laughs> so that made me feel better about our offense to watch Clemson struggle. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. They were fast too. Everybody was playing fast, but they still found a way to score some points. Yeah, <laughs> easy. Yeah. Easy. He says it's just kind of hard to buy that it's too complicated argument at this point. I mean, they're smart guys. They are veterans, and it's the second season in the offense. Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I'm not saying either way. I mean, that's a possibility, but uh, you know, maybe not. Maybe not. Who knows? Um, so. <laughs> 
Uh, Ryan says Tony has seemed pretty adamant that there weren't really other guys to try when he was asked about that. Um, well, there's Wanamaker. Yeah, we know. Yeah, that's a known quantity at this there's, point. There's Trey Jones, mm-hmm. uh, who played some fullback last year. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. You know, <laughs> I'd I start. I'd try everything I can because, you know, if you don't get this fixed and you can't run the ball, and then you're going to be one-dimensional and Rattler's going to be running for his life, it's going to be a lot like, you know, last year, but kind of in reverse where, you know, teams, defensive defenses are too good in this league for you to be one-dimensional. I mean, you have to do both. Um, and, look, I, when you talk about play calling, to Satterfield's credit, I thought they did try some creative things to get a run game going at times. Um, it wasn't – you know, as it wasn't consistent, but you know, he there's some tall sweeps in there. I hadn't seen a tall sweep since the staff has been there. There were mm-hmm. uh, some good plays to Jaheim Bell, letting him get going, running the football. Um, you know, Lloyd, I thought, even though his stats weren't all that great, played a good game both receiving and um, running at times. We well, looked healthy um, and confident, so that's good. Yeah, uh, you know. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I. I uh, I think that guy Cartwright says there's so much deflation in your voice, JC. You're supposed to talk me off the ledge, not lead me to it. Nah, I just, uh, I'm in, I'm not, I'm in kind of a melancholy mood today. Uh, just to be honest, uh, nothing related to do with the game. Just kind of some days you're just melancholy and that's mm-hmm. the deal there. Okay. Nana sports chat box called up for a certain extent. If I skip some of you, I'm sorry. Uh, also the, the mailbag, we got more of that to come, but, we got to get ready for a game this week. This is another uh, issue. And maybe that's it, Cartwright. Maybe it's like, ah, I kind of feel off because it's Tuesday already. And right. We got, and we got a review, but we also got a preview. And, and so just trying to dig into a lot of stuff here today uh, on Inside the Gamecocks of the show. But, no, I'm fine. And, I, I, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what the Gamecocks can do this weekend at Arkansas. I, I was impressed with Arkansas this past weekend. Nice win. I think they're a more than solid football team. I think the Gamecocks are going to have to play great to go out there and win the game, but they can. I mean, this I still think this team's just, just. We'll be back after these messages. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you 
with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email csearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Sydney Searfoss of Caldwell Banker King. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it, let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course Hey, Mo Kaba here from Carolina Gamecocks. You're listening to Inside the Gamecocks, the show with JC and Phil. All right, back. Ready to roll here, the mental right. edge with Sawyer Nicks. Uh, first of all, Sawyer, let's get right to it. Everybody else has been giving their take on the game Saturday night as we kind of get back into it the Tuesday after Labor Day. Uh, go ahead with yours. I would say overall – Again, I, I mentioned this last uh, episode that going into halftime, you know, if we're, we're down three or up seven, there's going to be some, some panic and some shock. And sure enough, coming out of that game is exactly what I've heard. You know, oh, my gosh, we're exactly back where we were last year. Yet to be determined is, is what I'll say. Yet to be determined as far as the offensive goes, offensive line goes and play calling and things like that. I, I think it's too early to tell. I think it's first game, you know, we've got to learn some more. I think the team learned more about themselves. I think Rattler learned about himself. I think the offensive line figured some things out. And certainly they've come to the defense with Lloyd and uh, Rattler 
of the offensive line. And hey, it's not all of their fault. Um, and who knows? But I think at the same time, they're going to do everything they can to encourage them so that the wheels don't fall off this early in the season and everything's thrown in the trash can. Oh, woe is me. The sky is falling. And, you know, certainly we don't want that in week two. Um, so perhaps not we went, what we went on offense. I was somewhat close with my score prediction. I think I uh, said uh, 34-20. And it was, you know, they didn't get to the 20. At, what was it, 35-14, to 34-14. So um, I was pretty close, not that far away. Certainly I didn't see us blocking two point two punts for touchdowns. Didn't see that happening. Uh, but we'll, we'll take it any way we can. And I, and I think the mentality for the team is, hey, it's a win. It wasn't our best effort in all areas, but it was good. And I think certainly the defense had some, some areas in which they need to improve too. I think it's not all of the offensive line is they're the bad guy and everybody else gets a free pass. Uh, parts of the game that I saw, there was a particular defensive end that was not holding the edge, that got sucked in several plays, and they decided to run around him. Um, some secondary got their eyes in the backfield just because of the nature of Georgia State's running the ball. So I think discipline in all phases will continue to be a key and a focus. Talking about mental discipline here on the mental edge with Sawyer Nix. Okay, so – uh, you know, if you're the offensive line, right, and you make a good point, you know, teams win, teams lose. They win or lose as a team. Marshawn Lloyd had to come out and defend them publicly. Uh, I, I think maybe if they'd have had a bad game next week uh, and, and done very good state, we'll probably wouldn't be panicked because uh, SEC are going to run into that. But it is what it is. Um, how, if you're part of that unit, can you mentally get refocused uh, and kind of not let, you know, the outside noise distract you and, and, and ruin your confidence? Because that, that's the last thing, you know, you, you're going to take some heat, right? But that's the last thing right. you need to happen is these guys all lose confidence. And, and then you're talking about something that could last six, seven games, and that would obviously be a disaster. Right. A, a big part of that is, all right, what, where are we going back to? And I think everybody, again, fans – to some degree, but also the team is, hey, this was game one. We knew there were going to be mistakes coming from game one. This is our first live fire. Uh, again, in 247 days, I think is, is what I mentioned last week from, from the Belt Bowl. And so this is a whole, it's a whole new team. You got new players, uh, new starters, new quarterback, uh, new analyst. So I think part of it is, all right, our goal is, is this, whatever their individual goal is. Also, you have your team goals, but it's all right, here's our goal. We made a mistake. We didn't do this well. They review the film. Here's where we can get better. And I think it's that. I don't think it's a, oh my goodness, I got to figure out how to go from being a loser to a winner this week. If we're at that point, it's not, not going well. They already believe in themselves, whether or not the outside noise does. You know, we can yell all we want. Within the offensive line, they have confidence. You know, if they didn't, they would have got knocked on their butt even more. You know, it would have been even worse. And certainly three sacks was not, not strong and, you know, had some other lack of a run game. I think it was 79 yards 
uh, and looking at the stats for, for next week, Arkansas had triple that, you know. Um, so uh, another theme similar to last week. But, again, I, I think the offensive line, they have the mindset that we are going to knock some people's butts off. And we made mistakes, and we're going to adjust from that. A big, a big culture focus this year that I've heard that I've heard other teams talk about as well outside of the Gamecocks, but especially the Gamecocks this year, is the one percent rule. Hey, we're getting better one percent every day. So small incremental changes in development each and every day, each practice, each rep. I'm doing this one thing better today. I'm doing this one thing better. And that's a goal that the team has, that the culture has been focusing on this year. And I know that that will be something that the offensive line definitely takes hold of this week. And they do need to have more of a, of a mentality to do that. And they have that. I don't think that's something we innately have. They have to learn that. But also we can't go from not having it to having it in, in a week. So if, if it doesn't go well this week, that doesn't mean that, you know, uh, it's just lost for forever. They can develop, but it's hard to develop from no toughness one week to, all right, we're, we're game changers this week and we're steamrollers and bulldozers and, you know, all, all those things. That, that doesn't happen in a week. So I think part of it's, all right, how do we make that incremental change and use what's already there, that belief that they already have, and turn them down the outside noise and focus on what they have to do. Talking with Sawyer next, the mental edge. He discusses mental health, mental uh, approach every single week here on Tuesdays with us. And we, we get an interesting point here, uh, Phil, uh, from Sonder uh, up on the Nanosports chat box. Marshawn's cut on that fourth and one, I think, made me giddy. Not the greatest run, but he planted on the knee hard. Guess he's really confident in it. So happy to see him playing hard and loose. We've talked about that here uh, on overcoming injury. Uh, from a mental standpoint, you think that was a good sign Saturday night, his performance? Oh, absolutely. Some of his runs that he made were, I mean, um, hurdled a guy. Uh, there was a, what, third down, fourth down run that he made that he was, I mean, dead in the water. I'm like, he is a loss, you know, uh, and he turned it to a game. He had several runs. As, as the run game was, it could have been even worse if it wasn't for Lloyd. Uh, Lloyd just did a phenomenal job and that's because he's confident the confidence allows him to perform to that level same thing with offensive line they have the confidence and maybe not every player is skilled and is talented but certainly that can be developed uh, every every player has weaknesses and strengths and, and the coach has to coach those up enhance those develop those and a big part of that will be you know the offensive line this week it is a focus yeah, I think Lloyd, if he gets room, Phil and, and, and Sawyer, I, I think he can get some things going on the ground. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But the biggest thing I was looking for was that confidence. Does he look like he trusts his body? And it did. Yes. So I think that that's yes. just going to continue to pay dividends moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think 11 carries 30 yards. And then I think he had another 30 in receiving yards, uh, two touchdowns. So that's good. Yeah. Because Marshawn, uh, I said he had no touchdowns last year. I was wrong about that. He had one. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, he looked really good. I, th I thought Juju McDowell had a tough time getting going um, on the perimeter, which was bad because that was part of the game plan, uh, you know, attacking right. on the perimeter. Uh, 
but I, I don't really fault him. He didn't have a lot of room. Uh, you know, I, I thought when Jaheim Bell carried the ball, that was pretty good. Uh, you know, they did a good job of getting the ball in Bell and Juice Wells' hands, and Jalen Brooks was phenomenal. Um, but, you know, you, you have to be concerned. Like, look, Spencer Rattler's out there running for his life, and, and the vast majority of the big plays he had, he's running for his life. Right, you know, and uh, and all that good stuff. All right, so heading into this weekend, Arkansas, I think, is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, last time I checked, maybe that's changed. Uh, Gamecocks are on the road. They were not a great road team last year. Uh, you know, one at East Carolina uh, early in the season and then did not win again uh, away from Williams-Price until the bowl game. Um, we've talked We talked about this some in the preseason about – uh, you know, with you about mindset going on the road. Uh, Shane Beamer even talked about how they've, they've been examining everything about if they're doing anything wrong on road trips, changing up the routine or whatever. Uh, tell me kind of your uh, keys uh, to a team walking into what look, what I think will be a hostile environment. I mean, I, Arkansas's crowd showed up loud and proud last week. There's a lot of momentum in Arkansas right now. Uh, so I think they'll be calling the hogs. Like crazy, uh, Razorback Stadium gets loud. Uh, your take on how to handle that road adversity? Well, I think part of it will be acknowledging that. I think sometimes teams go into environments, ah, oh, we're we're fine. Well, I don't need to worry about that. We're we're tough. We're good. It's like I think part of it is acknowledging it. Yeah, this is going to be a hard team. This is going to be a tough crowd. And so I think a lot of times it's acknowledging adversity not necessarily running away from it or pretending it's not there pretending it won't impact them it will uh certainly if rattler has to make calls at the last scrimmage change protection audible the crowd's going to be loud that's going to be a factor and so i think acknowledging that is, is a good first step hopefully the coordinators put them in a position to have some um success earlier you know whether that's a simple throw solid run Try and put them into some position to get momentum going, and then just see see how things go as the game goes along. I, I would not, uh, of course, Beamer's examining everything, and he's looking at the long haul as well. Um, but I don't know that micromanaging every little nitpicking thing um, or overreacting is probably the best. Certainly, last year's team is different, and they didn't do as well on the road. Certainly, in games. Uh, Tennessee was the biggest of those that went you know, quite poorly early on. Um, but sometimes it's a few momentum plays here and there. Uh, and sometimes they happen. JC, you've talked about getting off, off the mat. And I think that's important for the team is they're probably going to get hit in the mouth. Uh, Arkansas is a good team. They're tough. Uh, they're hard-nosed. I think Pittman does a good job with with their culture and developing that. And they're very much a, a program that I would say is, is like South Carolina. They're not a blue chip um, program. They're not the Alabama of, of the West and we're not the Georgia of the East. I think we're our, our own program. And certainly South Carolina has to learn how to get in there and, and have that 1% approach. Again, what, what are the little things we got to do this week? and improve in those areas and then see how things go. We tend to look at some of the the big approach and hopefully if we can look at some of that that smaller approach that within the program, it's very much a, hey, we won, we've got to make some small adjustments, make some small changes and go forward. 
mental toughness certainly is is the i guess one of the key words that probably comes up and there's a lot of different definitions for that uh, one may be persistent in facing challenges and mistakes and failure i think that's that's a good phrase or, or concept is being persistent so i think continue knocking beating running hitting tackling all of those things I, I think that's a a key to the game cops being mentally tough this week is being persistent continuing throughout the week of practice and engagement also focusing and just knowing that when you perform your best that's that's mentally tough uh, when you need it the most and perform your best, that's when you're mentally tough. And so I think that that consistency and drive, focus, all those are key components to what they do this week. And again, that's not just a focus for this week, but I think that's something they always do. Wrap it up with Sawyer Nicks, the mental edge. You can check him out every single week here. Uh, any final thoughts on the game uh, coming up uh, against Arkansas? You, you, it may be too early for a prediction this week because it's it's Tuesday, and it by is. this at this point we're all usually but Labor Day yesterday. It's, it's thrown me off. So, um, right. But any thoughts on, on you know initial thoughts on who may win the game? Uh, I I think South Carolina's obviously going to have to play better. Uh, but yes. if they do and they can connect vertically on some passes, I think you can take advantage of Arkansas's. Uh, De de somewhat depleted secondary. We're going to talk to Trey about that, but I also think you could, uh, if they can find a way to get the run game going too, that'll help. I, I think it's a game South Carolina is going to have to win uh, primarily on offense because uh, I, I just think that, that their offense is just really hard, even for a good defense to, to stop um, or slow with KJ Jefferson and all that. But, um, you know, how do you think it'll play out? I agree. I think it'll be somewhat similar to the Georgia as far as what we'll see um, from Arkansas on offense with their uh, Georgia State, I think with the run running quarterback um, and then their offense is pretty prolific, certainly a lot better than Georgia State's, but I think we'll see some of that. So it'll be interesting to see if the defense is able to kind of toughen up and continue some of their progress that they made this past week offensively. You're right. I agree that they're they're going to have to hold up their end of the bargain. Special teams will be good, but I don't see them blocking two punts for touchdowns. I don't see that happening again. It might be a once in a decade thing. I hope not. You know, certainly it's a big emphasis with uh, Pistol Beat Limbo. I think it's a cool nickname, but uh, maybe uh, we'll see some special teams play that will be good. But certainly, I don't think we can count on 14 points from from special teams. That's not going to happen this week. Could be yeah, wrong. Yeah. Could be wrong. But statistically, statistically uh, says otherwise. I also think that they'll make some adjustments. I think having the analysts um, and having Sat, having the offense, having Rattler, I think it's much more of a collaborative effort than it was last year. I think it's much more open to how can we pare down things. I thought the play call sheet, I was kind of baffled by four pages um that sat had for his play call sheet and rattler mm -hmm. with the wristband i was like all right let's narrow this down a little bit and then pull it <laughs> off of that so i for me i think that's the key when we talk about playing fast you know we talk about you think too think too much and you can't play too fast so you know at times you wonder how much of that was going on going to the first week uh, for some of the players. So hopefully they can pare some things down, get the run game established, 
and maybe we can get a turnover on defense. Maybe it's special teams that can get us some points, but maybe defense gets us some points. I'm going to be at the game, so I'm oh, looking forward yeah. to that. Uh, not only am I going to be at the game, but I'm flying through Chicago of all places. So my oh. connecting <laughs> flight is GSP to Chicago to Arkansas. So how weird is that? Yeah, you got uh, O'Hare. You're going to be at O'Hare. I hope your flight's not delayed, brother. I really do. It's, uh, <laughs> O'Hare is a mess. Uh, heading down to uh, XNA, Northwest Arkansas. So that's uh, uh, that's one of those things. You're kind of making a big triangle, I think. You know, right now. Yeah. All right. So, so points wise, I, I don't know. You know, it's seven, eight points. I, I think that will be similar again. Last week was you know the spread was eleven, twelve. I think it'll be. I think it will be a seven to ten point game. Um, at this point, I'm pulling for the Gamecocks. The offense has got to show some some improvement for me to believe that they can win. Now, can they win? Yes. It'll be game two. If this was game eight. I would say that South Carolina doesn't have much of a chance to win, but this is game two. We don't know. I think it's too early. Uh, and as long as the team continues with that 1% principle that we can apply as well, I, I think we'll have a fine chance. At this point, uh, I'm going to guess um, that we perhaps lose by six or seven. I'll say, you know, 35, 20, 28. I'll just throw that out there. Maybe if we can score 28 points, but 35 maybe a similar score. Arkansas. Okay. Good. Good. Uh, I think that's a fair. Hope I'm wrong. Hope I'm wrong. Yeah. No doubt about it. But you got to go with what you see, right? But yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll all be right. there in my garnet cheering. So, well, sorry. We can't wait to hear all about your trip to Arkansas next week. And uh, hopefully, uh, if you come back, uh, you'll have positive uh, impressions Absolutely. to report. Um, it's a good. I haven't been out there since 09. But it's a great place to see a game. Really, Arkansas fans are great people. So it's a uh, you know good. now they're gonna they're gonna be talking smack like all fans, but they're they're good people. I mean, they, it's not it's not like going to some of the other venues in the SEC. All right, buddy, appreciate right. it, Sawyer. Thank you so much. The all mental right. edge with Sawyer next. Have a great week. Uh, you too. You yes, too. And uh, all that he joins us every Tuesday to talk about. Uh, the mentality. If it seems like we cut him a little short, we did. We're going to cut our guest a little short this, today just so we can, you know, keep up with all the interaction because that's important to us. We knew there'd be a lot. And it's Tuesday and we're hot. Um, James says, uh, this is interesting. Put this up, Phil. This is interesting. Uh, it's like from last Saturday, Gamecock's main focus on defense needs to be on the quarterback, KJ Jefferson. Uh, number five, Rocket Sanders. Remember, this is Raheem Sanders from Rockledge, Florida. The Gamecocks were second in his recruitment. Uh, they recruited him as a wide receiver. He's turned into a running back, and he's a hell of a player. Um, yep. And then number seven, the tight end, who also was a receiver recruit, Trey Knox. We'll talk with Trey Biddy about him here very shortly. Um, and Trey told, told us that this guy was a really good tight end. I watched him on Saturday. Uh, special, special player. Um, Daddy O says, good to see Lloyd get that freely mobile. Marcus says, look, yeah, we didn't play like we wanted to, but let's get over that game. Georgia State isn't bad. I think they'll beat North Carolina next week. If North Carolina plays defense like North Carolina's been playing defense the first two weeks of the season, Georgia State will cut them. Yes. (laughs) Georgia State will cut them. And they don't have a mobile quarterback like they did. Like, 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 Like May is really good, I think. 
but he ain't going to be able to do the things like Rattler did against this bunch. You know, <laughs> they could have seven sacks in that game. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Will says Hazelwood only had one catch versus Cincinnati. It, it, you know, I, I understand he was a five star and I loved him out of high school, Janine mm-hmm. Hazelwood, but, but he hasn't produced yet. You know, I think he only had like 30. He had a good year at Oklahoma last year. I think 38, 39 catches. Uh, when you talk to Trey and we talked, when we talked to him the last couple of weeks ago, that was a concern. It's like the newcomers at receiver, the depth, all that. Corey says there's still a chance Arkansas's two DBs are out this Saturday. Uh, Pittman's presser, he said he's still figuring that out. So, translation, that probably means there's a chance they won't go. Yeah, but I, I don't think we'll get a definitive answer either way. No, yeah, and everybody, yeah, everybody from the gamesmanship standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way. So, Will also says, do you see Carolina offer the Syracuse quarterback commit? That's Lenore Sellers from South Florence. I don't think so at this point. Could be, but I don't, I don't think so at this point. So, all right, we got to take a break. Trey Biddy from Hogs247 on the other side. Follow Keith Alsep. We'll catch back up. We get all the review game review questions out of the mailbag by the time we're done uh, today. That's my goal. Here on Inside the Gamecocks Show, we'll be back after these messages. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are, Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Sydney Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Game Cox. Hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) I'm getting on that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. 
Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, Don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food, truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, Take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good Southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. I used to be president of the United States, and I love the show with Phil and JC. All right. Probably one of the most famous Arkansas fans ever. Bill Clinton. <laughs> I figured that would that rejoin was good this uh yeah, this week. I want to welcome in uh Trey Biddy, a favorite of the show here. It's almost a shame South Carolina and Arkansas don't play each other every year yeah. now for now, because uh we're gonna miss you, man. After <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, this year, uh, all right. So Trey, I-, I watched a lot of the game uh, with Arkansas Cincinnati this past Saturday. I, I- you know, when-, when you're winning like Cincinnati is as a program, and you have a good coach like Luke Felkel, even though you lost some players, you're going to come in prepared. I thought Cincinnati was prepared. I thought Arkansas countered that relatively effectively. Uh, your take on uh, just the overall feeling after the win. Yeah, I mean, Luke Fickle's won 44 games over the last four years. You don't just do that by recruiting crummy quarterbacks and crummy players. The thing that surprised me about Cincinnati the most, I would say, is probably I thought that they would be a a decent bit smaller, you know, just kind of like more group of five teams would look against SEC teams. They were actually a pretty big team. Um, You know, I thought Arkansas and and Cincinnati, I I didn't think either team played particularly well. Now, we'll see how – these teams play out. I mean, Cincinnati, there's a good chance they'll end up 11-1 this season because kind of a one-game schedule for them. Uh, with Arkansas, obviously, we're going to find out how good they are throughout the the rest of the season, starting with South Carolina on Saturday. I thought K.J. Jefferson loosened things up a little bit. Right when they had to go into the two-minute offense right before half, that's when things, I think, started finally clicking. They came out of the half, scored, uh, fumbled the ball on the, on the next possession after that, and then drove for a field goal after that. So that's kind of where they really got going. I thought where it was really telling, despite all the mistakes that you saw and and things of that nature, where it was really telling for me was the last 549. Uh, South Carolina scored, Arkansas got the ball back, and did not give the ball back over to, uh, to excuse me, Cincinnati, sorry. Yeah. Uh, did not give the ball back over to Cincinnati throughout that 549. And that's really, you know, Sam Pittman says that a lot. The best teams are the ones that can run the ball when they have to, and stop the run when they have to. And that's ultimately what Arkansas did to close out the game. 
Uh, you mentioned uh, Trey Knox uh, when we were talking uh, two weeks ago. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I remember him as a, a receiver recruit. He's kind of one of those guys that got too big, I think. Boy, he was impressive Saturday, I thought. I thought Rocket Sanders, J.J. Jefferson, Trey Knox, uh, that's kind of the the scary trio on that offense right now. What what can you say about those guys and, and how they play? I'm sorry, what was the other? You said Trey Knox, K.J., and who? And uh, Rocket Sanders. Yeah, Rocket. Rocket. Raheem. Raheem. Yeah, yeah. You know, I thought that was Trey Knox's first uh, best game as a Razorback. Now he he wasn't so much like growing out of tie, out of wide receiver as much as they put weight on him. He played about two oh five in most of his career. He actually came in last year about two fifteen and slowly gained weight as they moved him halfway through the season. And now is up to two hundred forty five pounds. I thought he looked really good. Had six catches, uh, like seventy something yards, two touchdowns. One of them was a catch and run where he did a lot of the work on it. The other was a, a you know a, a a jump pass uh, right over uh, in the low red zone. Uh, but Knox is, has been a good a good target for KJ. He's got a big catch radius. Obviously, he's a senior. He's been around the program for a long time. I'm still waiting, though, for those the rest of the wide receivers to really emerge. Uh, Jaden Hazelwood had a touchdown catch. I thought there was one opportunity where Matt Landers was streaking down the field open where KJ could have had him. Uh, but I, I still look for him and Warren Thompson also, those three guys to – to really have maybe breakout games different parts of the season. I still think it's a really good wide receiver for even though they only had – I think they combined for 107 yards and one touchdown out of the 223 passing yards. Uh, Raheem Sanders, I thought, ran the ball really well. You know, he's a guy that obviously you, you guys know from South Carolina recruiting him, uh, was a, listed as an athlete, probably was going to play wide receiver. Arkansas just liked him at running back and put him there last year. Uh, had a good season as a freshman, and and this year I think he looks more like a running back. Uh, developed a really nice stiff arm, uh, hitting the hole well. Now I think it'll be interesting to see do they get Dominic Johnson back, uh, who goes about 247 pounds, who's missed 27 straight practices, 29 practices in in fall camp in the spring due to a, a knee injury. But he's been practicing the last few weeks, and uh, it's possible they could get him back. I thought AJ Green ran pretty well, and Rashard Debinion uh, also the the freshman uh, did some good things. And then um, with KJ, again, I, I, I thought that he kind of loosened up a little bit midway through the game, um, you know, ran the ball extremely well. Obviously, one of the things that stand out to me was when it was third and nine uh, on Arkansas's last drive, and they, they had to have it, and they went to KJ, and, he, and he, he picked up 14 yards and kept the chains moving. So that's what KJ Jefferson brings you, that, that 12th man kind of deal. Yeah, definitely. You have to be able to stop the run, uh, the, the quarterback run, uh, if you're South Carolina going into the, this weekend. Um, you know, just just kind of looking at uh, the injury report, I, I listened to Sam Pittman's press conference. He, he actually talked yesterday. Shane Beamer talks today. Uh, a little gamesmanship, I guess. I don't know. You know, coaches these days aren't they, – they don't have to be forthcoming about injuries, and they're not. But your level of concern for the Razorbacks as far as their uh, – uh, their injuries in the secondary it just seemed like some yeah. some bad luck, uh, you know, in terms of that particular position, which I, I think I think you were talking about that hey, you know, they're not that deep back there, and then all of a sudden you got maybe two guys out. Yeah, you know, Jalen Catalan had a broken hand and a, a bad shoulder last year that caused him to miss half the season, and he went down on a on a tackle attempt. It didn't look like he landed on his shoulder exactly or, or what, but he was not out at practice yesterday. Uh, I think there's a good chance that he could possibly miss. Miles Slusher also looked kind of woozy coming off the field. Now, that's, in my opinion, Arkansas's two best defensive backs, both the nickel and the safety, the middle safety. Uh, Jalen Catalan is an All-American candidate. You know, um, you know, mm-hmm. he did things as a redshirt freshman 
statistically that hadn't been done since 2007. Yeah, he's uh, a great player. Yeah, so uh, those would be big losses for Arkansas. Now they they have you know brought in some players. Obviously, Latavius Brini came in from Georgia, who started 12 games for him last year. I think you'll probably see him a lot more. Kari Johnson, who has started for them before in the past. Uh, has been cornerback, has also worked some safety. I think you'll probably see them work him in at, at safety some. And um, maybe it means moving some guys around here and there. But they do have – safety is probably the deepest area that they've had on the team with you know, Simeon Blair, who's a, a senior, who's a multi-year starter, and uh, Jaden Johnson, who comes out of the state of Georgia, who played a lot as a true freshman last year and has been starting in their three-safety look. So maybe they trim it down and they go more 4-2-5 instead of you know, 3-2-6 this, uh, this game. Uh, just to get what maybe they would perceive as their best players on the field uh, since they do – looks like they are going to be uh, short a couple of safety – well, a nickel and a safety. And then Isaiah Nichols also went down in the game, but he was back at practice on yeah. uh, on, on on Monday. Yeah, Pittman seemed to think he would go in the, in yeah. the thing. Okay, uh, Jaden Johnson, there's another South Carolina guy. He was actually committed mm-hmm. to the Gamecocks before the – I think the coaching transition term yeah, last champion. He's a good-looking kid. Yeah, <laughs> I, remember, I remember tall and uh, athletic. Yeah. Uh, he's dropped we, about he's dropped about twenty-five pounds. He was about two thirty playing safety last year, and he's about wow. two hundred five now. Wow, lean and mean. That, that's yeah. awesome. Um, so your keys to the game for the Razorbacks this weekend? What, what do they have to do? Uh, they they always say you make improvement between week one and week two. I think you know, South Carolina's probably got a longer way to go. Just looking mm-hmm. at both teams last week, but. Uh, you know, what, what does Arkansas need to do to take care of business Saturday? Yeah. Well, they got to rattle Spencer Rattler. I'm sure you guys have never heard that, huh? <laughs> yeah, they got to get to him. They've got to move him around. You know, I think he does a good job throwing outside the pocket, but they need to move him around. The two intercepts, I've watched the whole game. Somehow I managed to go through all of Saturday and not see the score of South Carolina and, and Georgia State. So I was able to watch the game later on ESPN in full without knowing the outcome. So that was pretty cool to be able to do. Um, I, I thought those two interceptions were both, you know, not very good throws. He, obviously, the one receiver, I'm not sure he was, was kind of was not very tall and he overthrew him. Uh, the other one, I'm not sure what he was doing, just kind of trying to force it. But Arkansas has got to, you know, I don't mean to use the pun, but they've got to rattle him a little bit. They've got to move him outside the pocket, move this launch point. Um, those types of things. And I, I would say a big point also is I always call it the TPS report, t- uh, turnovers, penalties, and special teams. I think that's true of every single game. And when I look at South Carolina on special teams, wow. I mean, uh, it's so impressive. Two block punts, a 51-yard field goal, a 53-yard field goal, a successfully executed fake field goal. Uh, I thought the onside kick was there. I was a little surprised they were onside kicking and uh, and running fake field goals against Georgia State, but uh, still impressive. And that obviously goes back to, you know, his his dad, you know, Beamer Ball uh, scoring – what is that, scoring – more two or more non-offensive touchdowns, I guess, is the definition of being mm-hmm. ball. Yeah, um, and you know that comes with that. Obviously, he's got a strong uh, background, you know, in special teams. Uh, so, you know, it's interesting. You know, these two guys, uh, Sam Pittman and Shane Beamer, have crossed paths before. Also, mm-hmm. they were they worked at Georgia together, so they actually lived in the same subdivision. <laughs> so they're uh, <laughs> they should know each other pretty well. But I would say, you know, uh, getting after Rattler and. Um, you know, the turnovers, penalties, special teams are all going to be big points of emphasis. And then, you know, possibly some injury stuff, too. That could that could obviously play a role. If Arkansas is able to get Jalen Catalan back, that would be pretty big. Arkansas, I, I thought, you know, Sam's got one year on Shane. He was there 2020, Shane's 2021. I always thought they're kind of similar hires. Yeah. You know, nobody, nobody really 
you know, Arkansas hired Sam Pittman and nobody was really like grading that high or high, but it's a guy that had been there before that has a passion for the school and a passion for the program. That's going to go out and hire a good staff. Um, and boy, he did. And, and, and you look at the instant improvement, uh, you know, South Carolina last year had to get better as the season went on. Uh, but that wasn't during an all SEC pandemic year, <laughs> you know, and that, which was tough on everybody. You know, then, of course, Arkansas had the big season last year. I, you know, what could you say kind of to, you know, the hire, the Pittman hire and, and how, uh, you know, maybe the inside per- perception in Fayetteville was different than the outside perception mm-hmm. uh, and, and how the inside is one out in this situation, at least in terms of the progress so far. Yeah. Well, if you go back and look at my um... – Chad Morris has fired um, Hogsports live show. I basically described the coach that they need as being Sam Pittman without saying Sam Pittman. This is the kind of guy they need, you know, uh, and they ended up getting Sam Pittman. And uh, and it's kind of funny because I referenced some of his stuff in recruiting in that too. But uh, I've always been a fan of, of Pittman, you know, from back covering him when he was offensive line coach at Arkansas. He was just such a strong recruiter. Um, what I felt and what always people would tell me is like, you feel like, you know, the guy within five minutes. And that's very important. Now, that's one reason I think that South Carolina made a really good hire with Shane Beamer. Uh, he fits the program. He understands the culture there in Columbia. And in this day and age of transfers and all that stuff, like I'm not sure like a Bobby Petrino type of character works really well in those scenarios. I think it's a, you know, a guy that you want to play for. It's a, you know, Hey, I got it wrong the first time. Um, you know, who do I want to play with? Who do I want to be a part of? And uh, I kind of get the similar vibe. You know, they're two different characters, obviously, but a similar vibe with both of those guys. So um, with Pittman, now, did I think they would win nine games last year? That was a little ahead of schedule. Uh, I thought that they easily could have won six in, in 2020, though. They had three games that were decided by a kick that they lost. Uh, but in last year, I, you know, I think that they surprised a lot of people and you know, moving forward, I wonder about South Carolina too, JC. Like, do you guys are you guys looking at South Carolina like I'm looking at Arkansas and saying, man, compared to past Arkansas teams, really deep across the board. And a lot of that is because of the transfer portal, how they're able just to fill holes here and there. Uh, and I wonder that about other teams like like South Carolina, because South Carolina had a top ten class, and obviously, you know, Spencer Rattler. Uh, yeah, there's there's some other guys obviously that were really key. Yeah, they uh, South Carolina. I thought did a good job in the portal, and, and I think that's something that's going to be an advantage. That, that that I think when people are kind of looking at, at teams and, and breaking them down preseason, it's going to start to matter more. Yeah, um, I, I think. Yeah, I think to a certain extent, you, you sort of look at it, and you know, there were a lot of guys from the portal that played really well for Carolina the other night, and mm-hmm. and I think that. Uh, Similarly to Arkansas, these Same guys will come in, and mm-hmm. you know, because when you when you come in, sometimes you know, and Pittman's been there two years, his third. Sometimes in your third year, you start losing some of the guys you inherited. Yeah, uh, and maybe you know, you in the under the previous way, you may have reached a little bit in recruiting that first year, and maybe those guys aren't ready because they got to develop. And then year three, you end up kind of falling back to the pack a little bit. You got to rebuild it again. Yeah, uh, I think with the portal. You could avoid that. I think for programs, you know, like South Carolina, like Arkansas, I think, you know, as much as maybe we're talking about they've got to have reform and all this stuff, I think the portal NIL is probably (laughs) probably good uh, for both programs. And you're right. You know, I look at Arkansas's biggest defensive plays on Saturday, uh, Jordan Dominic, strip sack and recovery came from Georgia Tech. 
uh, Landon Jackson, sack, came from LSU. Drew Sanders, sack, played the majority of snaps at linebacker, uh, came from uh, Alabama. Uh, Dwight McLaughlin, interception on, uh, on, in the first quarter for 51-yard return. Uh, transfer from from LSU. I also thought Terry Hampton inside the Arkansas State transfer on the defensive line played really well. And the receivers, again, they only counted the three receivers that were, that were transfers. One of them's been here for uh, – it's his second year here. But those guys only combined for 107 yards. And I still think the best is ahead for those guys. So, tra- a huge impact for, for Arkansas's transfer. Yeah, I think so. I love him. I love the Hampton kid. I thought he was yeah. – I thought he was outstanding. And uh, and the pit boss mentioned him in the press conference. I enjoyed listening to Sam Pittman too, man. I, I thought that was uh, – he doesn't talk that fast, but you, but you can kind of understand what he's saying because of that. It's just kind of like, yeah. I, I don't it. really have to slow my – like I'll usually, you know, <laughs> when, when I'm transcribing, slow the recorder down. I don't have to slow it down much for Sam. Not overall, Sam. <laughs> hey, Trey, we, we really appreciate you uh, coming on. And uh, last time you were on, you gave a great uh, overview of Fayetteville for the Gamecock fans going out there. I'm going to repost that this week for all of our fans on thebigspur.com. And uh, certainly can't thank you enough for coming on and, and talking ball. Uh, it was, it's been a pleasure. Absolutely. And uh, I look forward to having you later in the week. On my yeah, it'll, it'll be a lot of fun. Trey Biddy from Hogs 24 uh, 7 in here talking about Arkansas. Gamecocks and Razorbacks kick off at noon Eastern on ESPN this weekend. Thanks again, Trey. Mm. All right. Yeah. How about another Trey Biddy? Clint says, oh. Jason, you should have on Trey every week. He's good, isn't he? Yeah, like Trey's him. great. <laughs> I, lo- I love his set, too. I, I, that's something for us to kind of. Uh, aspire to Phil is that said? That's right. I should That's get myself like is. a green screen and then do something else. Yeah, yeah, I ask him about it too. It's, it's just like fake brick from Home Depot. He like built it. I was like, yeah, man, that's yeah, awesome. no, that's, yeah, it looks great. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> and look, uh, Arkansas folks are, are excited, and uh, you know, I, but I, I think Trey does a good job, Phil, of not getting caught up in any sort of hype at all. He just kind of calls it like it is. Um, and uh, he's absolutely right about the portal. Uh, they've got a top 25 team now because they filled some needs in the portal uh, and all all that good stuff. So I think one of the things that's most impressive about Sam Pittman, too, is like, and you see it with Beamer here in South Carolina, is they've been able to uh, impart their personality as well as their style onto their programs quickly. You know, I mean, it's like, and just like Trey was saying, like the the most impressive thing about the win over Cincinnati for Arkansas this week was that final five plus minute drive where they're just running the ball, you know, doing exactly get behind that O-line and just kill the game. And and, and, and I'll tell you this, you know, I I appreciate the fact that, and by the way, it's hogsports.com. I am sorry that I messed that up. Uh, I apologize to all the Razorbacks and to TreyHogSports.com. That was dumb of me. Um, that's his website. It's on 24-7 Sports Network. Um, I, uh, you know, they're playing, Phil, Arkansas football. Like, Arkansas football, yeah. uh, I don't I don't know, with the exception of the Petrino era and even even the great offenses he had out there, they could, they could run it. Mm-hmm. They've always been able to run the football. And and what I like about them is they run it in creative ways. Kendall Bryles is a heck of an OC. You know, they get out there and they're going to run it. And you know what, what he was talking about at the end of the game, that Arkansas didn't give it back. That's what's called five-minute offense. I mean, you've heard Shane Beamer talk about it, yeah. or four-minute offense. You know, you, you want to be able to take it and get first downs and run it out to win the ball game. 
Uh, and I think that's uh, that's going to be a big key, I think, for both teams uh, on Saturday is, is time of possession, ability to run yeah. the ball, uh, that kind of thing. Can South Carolina stop them from running the ball, uh, especially in critical situations? Uh, that's going to be – it's going to be a tremendous challenge. Um, Saunders says, missed the Arkansas connection. Got a stall spot for them since we entered the conference together. Yeah, Game guys used to play the Razorbacks every single year from 1992, I think, to 2013. 13. Yeah, when the expansion. Yeah. 22 years, and then A&M cycled on the next season, and that game's been an automatic loss, right? <laughs> uh, wasn't too fired up about how the Aggies played this weekend, but they did have a lightning delay. They won 31-0 over Sam Houston. But Less some stuff to be desired. Yeah, you know, that wasn't, their fans weren't too happy either. It's game um, one, though. It was overreaction, you know. Yeah, Monday. it's well, overreaction Tuesday, yeah. You know, uh, uh, Craig says, move Spencer out of the pocket. Fine with me. That's where he is the best. I, I think he's good there, Craig, but I also would – I also would caution you and say, look, look, let's not let's not say this guy's not a good pocket passer because I, no. I think he is when he has a clean pocket. Uh, Pittman and Beamer are the exact fits for where they are coaching. I feel the same way as a break. HLJM2, I don't know how we could just give a pass to Spencer and say it was all the supporting cast. Did he get much help? No, but a quarterback rating of 28 is inexcusable and definitely indicates poor individual play. I disagree. I don't think the quarterback rating means much. Uh, no, but I wouldn't. I mean, I don't think we're giving him a pass either. He obviously, if you were yeah. to ask him, he's going to say, "Yeah, I left some on yeah, the field." There, there's mm-hmm. some he wanted back, and, and there were some bad passes, obviously. But uh, I, I don't, the, I don't yeah. care about the quarterback rating. That's for no, yeah, other people to kind of figure. That's for fantasy football, right? I, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I could give it. I just don't care. You know, the F. I don't care about ESPN's FPP or whatever either. Um, and uh, I, I think you have to be blind to think he paid poorly. Did he have some poor moments? Yeah. But what are you expecting? Perfection? I mean, no quarterback's perfect. No, everybody uh, makes bad decisions every once in a while. Yeah. Uh, Queasy says people will feel better about the Georgia State win after the Panthers beat UNC this weekend. <laughs> now, look, 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 before we get too ahead of ourselves here, keep, keep in mind, Georgia State does not have players like North Carolina. Okay, no. <laughs> North Carolina, but neither did App. Neither does App State. So you know that's the thing there. Uh, App State doesn't um, have the players UNC didn't even fam you for that matter. <laughs> Statistics don't mean much. Six point one yards per attempt. Uh, I don't think yards per attempt is his fault. And one to two touchdown interception ratio, not good stuff. Well, look, man. The day I worry about a one to two touchdown interception ratio is the day you need to take me off the air. Now, if it was, if we get midway through the season, AJM two, and it's eight and sixteen. Obviously, that's bad. Yeah, obviously. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here. I mean, look, you lose the game if it weren't for Spencer Rattler. Would you rather just done that? Maybe had pretty stats, lost the game, yeah. right? Nah. Take uh, a couple more sacks. I mean, yeah. And, 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 and nobody's giving him a pass, but man, the. You know, if it weren't for those scramble plays and downfield throws, where would that offense have been? Yeah, a couple of critical throwaways where he didn't have it and was about to just, you know, get leveled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just I'm just not I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and worry about a quarterback rating after after one game or at all. At all, period. So uh, that's just not me. All right. Gotta get the Keith all set. Right? 
Yep, Keith coming Time on at 1230. Mm-hmm. 1230. Uh, and then we're going to – so we're going to get a break in, get right to Keith. We'll have Keith off about 1148 – or sorry, that's 1248. Uh, and then we'll wrap it up with, uh, with um, you know, with uh, with your question. 8-8, eight eight, JM2. Our defense is special. Uh, teams were great. We could have won with Doty. <sighs> Look, man, I, I, this is a this is not a good argument to be making right now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, all the crap that happened, all the terrible offensive line play, uh, a lot of other things on the offense left a lot to be desired. And uh, you're going to come after the one guy that was making plays with his arm? I just don't know about that. I just don't know about that. Anyway, we're going to hit a break and uh, come back on the other side. Phil, before we hit a break, though. Mm-hmm. You tell our audience about Manscaped. Yeah, I'd love to. Love to. So, obviously, Inside the Game Cox, the show is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 5 million men worldwide who trusted Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code BIGSPUR at manscaped.com. Inside the package, you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a nice travel bag for all your goodies. Uh, JC and I both have received all of this. Very yeah. happy with its performance uh, from you know, top to bottom. And remember, get 20% off and free shipping with the code BIGSPUR at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code BIGSPUR. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the right job with Manscaped. Yeah. Uh, and one quick, one more quick chat box uh, from Daryl. JC, maybe can't tell much from this week. Uh, do you think the move to have sat on the sideline will be official in the, beneficial in the long run? I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. I mean, I don't know I, what kind of an impact that would have had. I mean, you know, <laughs> I have so many questions that it's like I, I just don't know. I'm, I'm, I got a lot of questions. So and maybe uh, it was purposeful that they were putting so much out there and made it so complex this week, feeling like they could rely on defense and special teams to get them through over the win, but give Arkansas a lot to have to think about. Well, they did that. They mean, uh, mm-hmm. he, uh, he um, you know, Pittman, he, Pittman, in his press conference, mentioned that they do, he's like, my goodness, they do all this stuff. Um, and that's tough. To, to, you want to be as tough to prepare for as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when you're not executing, I don't know that the element of surprise matters. Right. <laughs> right. You're, you're not really outsmarting anybody, you know. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see kind of what happens uh, there moving forward. All right. We're going to take a break now, get to Keith, come back. Uh, going to wrap up all the questions and comments about the game, then flush it tomorrow uh, and be back on Wednesday as we continue to look ahead to Arkansas. Thanks to Trey Biddy for joining us today. Also, Sawyer Knicks. And we'll be right back with Keith Allsip here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. 
If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington, half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Hey, man. Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low, too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that, or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. 
Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or HeritageDigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. What's up? This is Jaheim Bell with the Gamecocks, and you're now listening to Inside the Gamecocks show with JC and Phil. Welcome back Inside the Gamecocks, the show. JC Sherbert, Phil Mullinax. Time now for a weekly visit with Keith Alsep. Keith, I'm just going to let you take it away and give me your impressions of Saturday night's 35-14 Gamecock win against Georgia State. Wow. Well, first of all, uh, good morning or afternoon, depending on what time zone you're in, Phil and JC. Good morning. Hope you guys had a, a great Labor Day weekend and uh, did not overdose on college football or – Alcohol. Uh, I mean, look, uh, I'd much rather be South Carolina than LSU right now. Okay. Uh, South Carolina played a really good uh, group of five opponent in Georgia State. Uh, we, you know, we knew it was going to be a three polo day for Sean. Elliot, he was going to sweat through one in pregame. Uh, whoever's his uh, assistant did not make him change before he came out for kickoff. That was his mistake. Um, look, they're really good. They were going to run the football. Uh, I thought after the first drive and once Georgia State got down in the red zone, Clayton White in the defense, right, like so many times we would see with Ellis Johnson, It'd take a little while for them to adjust to the pace of the play or the physicality or the scheme. But then, man, they got it right. And other than a couple of long, you know, they gashed them a couple times after the game was about over. I thought South Carolina's defense was outstanding. Obviously, special teams, I thought, won the football game. To me, that provided the breathing room. Uh you know, J.C., the last time South Carolina blocked two punts and blocked at least one for a touchdown was against the head ball coach in the Swamp in 2000. And uh, Derek Squeaky Watson, I know, blocked two of them, and I know he ran at least one of them in for a touchdown. And so I thought that was great. I thought Mitch Jeter, you know, I think it tell. I think it took Parker White at least three years for him to make a fifty-yard field goal. I don't know how many he missed. I think it was like zero for nine before he finally made one. I thought Mitch Jeter comes out and hits from fifty-three and fifty-one, just like it was extra points. I mean, right down the middle, smooth uh, as could be. I thought that was great, and then. Uh, you know, the Admiral Halsey and uh, the Yorktown and the Battle of the Midway came into play with Mike Kroger, and he punted, and I did not expect it. And I thought he flipped the field early in the game with that 79-yard punt, The I guess the second longest punt in the history of that stadium, uh, and the longest one this century, Jay Phelps in 1979, the Carolina-Clemson game had an 80-yard punt, and my dad almost passed out 
uh, I still remember I was a bit 15 years old and uh, we were sitting next to this young couple from Rock Hill that we became really good friends with. And, and when Feltz hit that punt, let's face it, he was no Max Runniger. That's the guy whose place he took, Max Runniger, punting the NFL. When he hit that punt, I think a lot of people almost passed out. But uh, I, I still remember Laurie saying, oh, my, I think that nice man just had a heart attack. <laughs> and so, you know, when they flipped the field, uh, I didn't think, you know, the offense. And, look, I'm not going to roll Marcus Siderfield under the bus today. It's hard as a play caller to get in a rhythm calling plays when you cannot run the football. When you cannot run the football and you cannot even attack the perimeter because your guys cannot block on the perimeter, it's really difficult to get into a rhythm. I thought Spencer Rattler uh, made some nice – scramble plays you know he rolled out to the right and hit uh, Jalen Brooks for about 40 yards very reminiscent of Steven Garcia throwing that one to Alshon one of the end zone against Georgia in 2011 but also thought Rattler did not look comfortable I thought quite frankly he made some really bad throws I thought the he took a deep shot he threw it into double coverage i thought that was bad i can't really blame him for the first interception i thought amari brown that's a football you got to catch but the second one was just an absolutely horrible decision uh, he had you know he could have ran for it or he could have just pitched it to juju mcdowell who would have probably ran for 10 or 12 more yards and instead, it was a turnover. So I thought, you know, it was good, bad, and ugly. But the bottom line is, is today, Tennessee, Tennessee still does not know what it feels like to beat Georgia State. And South Carolina just beat them by three touchdowns. So suck it, balls. That's what I mean. <laughs> they did win by three touchdowns. I covered the spread. I will toot my own horn. I picked. 41-20. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Pretty close. Uh, Keith, you know, early on, and I think we knew Georgia State was going to get run, you know, some rushing yards. Early on, uh, you know, that, that gave the Gamecocks trouble. But like you said, there was some adjustment. Um, Georgia State, I think, got 60 of their yards later uh, in the ball game when kind of it was over. Um, I thought that was very encouraging. And then we, we talked all summer about linebacker play. Uh, Sam Pittman on his press conference today says, and I quote, if you have good linebackers, you have a chance to have a good defense. And South Carolina's got great linebackers. Never thought, didn't really think I'd hear an opposing coach say that. <laughs> but, uh, boy, you, you kind of look at the body of work. Mokaba played well. I thought Brad Johnson played well. I thought Debo Williams uh, looks like the player I kind of thought he would be. Uh, your thoughts on the, the linebackers, um, you know, based on Georgia State. So, J.C., I'll give you even one better. Uh, the venerable Ellis Johnson yesterday on a special Labor Day edition of the Locked on the Gamecocks podcast said, 
he thought South Carolina was much improved at linebacker, the athleticism and the speed. He thought the inside linebacker play was outstanding, and uh, that did give them a chance, and he credited Mo Caba and uh, Brad Johnson both. And I just think, you know, to me, that was one of the big keys on defense. South Carolina slow down the run. Could they be more athletic at linebacker? And I, quite frankly, I don't think Arkansas will run the ball more effectively than Georgia State because it's just like Ellis said yesterday, Sean Elliott, man, he can – call that stuff in his sleep. I mean, it's in his DNA. He played at App State. He coached at App State. He brought it with him to South Carolina. Then back, you know, to at Georgia State as a head football coach. I mean, their quarterback could run the football. I thought another encouraging thing was, J.C., this guy completed 60% last year, 19 touchdowns, four interceptions, and he was – Seven for 29. Seven for 29. And, and even like, you know, the couple of shots that they wound up hitting, I thought like Marcellus Dial was right there on that one. I don't know how the ball missed his arm. To me, the most disappointing one was the RPO where they beat Darius Rush inside for the touchdown. But, hey, good football teams are going – they're just going to win on some plays and – you know, Georgia State, quite frankly, will probably win that conference this year with Billy Napier no longer at the helm at Louisiana. Hmm. Call it now, Sunbelt champion, Georgia State Panthers. I'd love to see it happen, man. I, yeah, no doubt. Honestly, if North Carolina doesn't do any – doesn't fix their defense by this weekend, uh, Georgia State's probably going to have about 550 yards and 450 that'll be rushing against that bunch. That's <laughs> That was a – they're not doing so well, and they've not played a Power 5 team yet. I mean, who had on your bingo card App State, North Carolina, would be a basketball score, 60-61? Quite frankly, the state of North Carolina, I don't know how they got as lucky as they did, but App State had North Carolina dead to rights. They had just uh, scored – they cut the lead to one. They went for the win with uh, a two-point play with 31 seconds to go. And that guy was wide freaking open. I mean, there was nobody close to him. And Chase Bryce, you know, throws it over his head. So they have to onside kick. And North Carolina gets a high hop and runs it in for a touchdown. And then App State goes the length of the field in 30 seconds and scores again and has another two-point play to tie it and didn't make it. But that and then, you know, Dave Doran looked like he had just survived a plane crash when uh, East Carolina Gee. missed the 40-yard field goal. I mean, yeah. so he's on the other side of it, right? Because a few years ago at Clemson, NC State's kicker was great. He missed an extra point, and then he basically missed a glorified extra point that would have won the game mm -hmm. for the like a 23-yard field goal to win the game. So I I was watching that game. I, I watched most of it, and I was flipping back and forth, and I thought 
East Carolina very ready. I'm trying to improve football team. Uh, I like what I saw out of NC State. I thought, you know, talent-wise, a lot of athletes. Their, their defense is uh, fast and physical. Um, offense, I thought, you know, kind of was what it was, but they just couldn't get out of their own way in that game. And I think sometimes if you're NC State, you go to East Carolina, you take a one-point win. I, I, I believe they were one in three. Uh, against the Pirates in Greenville all time. So uh, if you're state, you're probably like just taking a deep breath. I think North Carolina has some problems, though, and I think they have to they have to solve it. Um, uh, you know, uh, all right, so moving forward to Arkansas, we just had Trey Biddy on. K.J. Jefferson, Rocket Sanders, they're tight end Trey Knox. They've got some guys at receiver. Uh, and Trey mentioned too, he's like, I'm looking for these guys to step up. Uh, there's a lot of names. Jadon Hasselwood, Warren Thompson uh, is in that group. Uh, Matt Landers, who played at Georgia, is in that group. Uh, they weren't overly great production-wise uh, Saturday against Cincinnati. Uh, so I think you go into this one, you know, you got to be aware of those guys because they can, they can bust a long one on you. But from where I stand, you, you got you to gotta at least try to slow Jefferson from running it. Uh, you got to contain Rocket Sanders. Uh, and that Trey Knox is a weapon at tight end. I think Kendall Browse is probably just like uh, the, the mad scientist in him. And is, he's probably like got all kinds of stuff dialed up for him. So, you know, to me, those are the keys for the Gamecock defense. What, what do you think? Well, I mean, certainly, JC, I agree. I think South Carolina got a good dress rehearsal. And I think you saw when, you know, Jordan Birch or – Jordan Strong, when they, you know, sucked too far inside, you saw the, you know, the quarterback for Georgia State pull it and run very effectively. Uh, you know, he he is not KJ Jefferson. Uh, Georgia State does not have the weapons in the passing game, and so. It's really like defending a triple option team. I, it's not coach speak, but you have to play assignment football. I thought the encouraging thing was, you know, South Carolina started swarming the ball. I think, you know, Trey Knox, who was a guy that Justin Stepp signed at Arkansas, he's grown now into a tight end. And he is a major weapon. Hazelwood was a five-star Guy Warren Thompson is a guy that South Carolina recruited heavily, uh, could not land him. And that's pretty much the story of uh, Brian McClendon's career at South Carolina. Uh, and they're dangerous. But look, Cincinnati pounded the football on them. Cincinnati was tough. I watched that game. I mean, that was you know, a game that essentially came down to the last four minutes. Uh, I thought Arkansas, you know, Cincinnati's passing game was problematic for them. They had some busts in the secondary. For me, Arkansas, you've got to stop the run or at least slow the run, and you've got to get them in more than third and two or three because they'll go for it, and Sam Pittman's no line coach. I think South Carolina offensively has to figure out how to have more than, you know, one or two touchdown drives during the course of a game. I thought the offense was at its best after Georgia State took the lead 
14 to 12 after the first interception that went off of Marion Brown's hands. South Carolina went 75 yards for a touchdown. That was about the only time we saw that all night. And South Carolina is going to have to figure out a way to run the football and be balanced. And quite frankly, I, I'm not for Jaheen Bell playing a lot at running back. I think he's still the most explosive threat you have in the pass game. And he needs to be lining up in the slot, and you need to be figuring out mismatches for him. And let Marshawn Lloyd and those other guys run the football. I think you make a good point. I, I thought Jaheim had some spirited runs. I, I, and I think at every now and then type of thing, he can bust it. But I, I thought his usage, Keith, in the bowl game was the sweet spot. I, I thought, you know, uh, yes, hand it off to him every now and then. But, you know, let, let's hit him, you know, get him in the mismatches and, and let him kind of run free. He just uh, like a lot of folks didn't have a lot of room uh, on Saturday night. Uh you know, I, I kind of look at this game with Arkansas, and I, and I think, well, you know, what is it? Is the offensive line bad again? Um, you know, what what is the deal? Will it be a situation where we go, oh, well, Georgia State's just kind of playing a team like that on defense. It's kind of like sometimes playing a wishbone team uh, when you're a defensive player because uh, they just do so much exotic – so many exotic things. They sell out. Um, I sort of – was not a huge fan of the five wide to start the game. Uh, I thought maybe line it up and, and, and attack them because they're going to, their momentum's going forward. You run right by them, you know, and start pushing them back. That's going to kind of back them off, but that didn't happen. Um, so, so what do you think offensive line wise? I, I think, I think Arkansas does have some good players up front of the defensive line. I love the Hampton kid that came in from Arkansas state. Uh, Landon Jackson's a big old kid that came in from LSU. Drew Sanders at linebacker from Alabama. Really good players. Um, South Carolina, they're going to have to step up. Um, you know, a different style of defense, obviously. Uh, but uh, what do you make of the O line, uh, both in the game against Georgia State, and can we expect any improvement? I mean, I was disappointed, quite frankly. I mean, it's the first game of the year. I do think Georgia State is problematic with that 3-4 look and the way they send people and they send a lot of people and I think they made a commitment to saying, hey, you are not going to run the football. They had pretty much a seven-man box most of the night, but at the same time, those guys were kind of in an umbrella to where they could cover the short passing game and, and the blockers could not get them. I think, you know, the entire offensive line would tell you they did not have a great game. But they got to figure something out because four of these dudes were on the same offensive line that blocked for the leading rusher in the SEC who was a guy nobody had ever heard of that South Carolina basically beat Georgia Southern and the Air Force Academy for. And they had a one-legged quarterback and a tight end transfer from Bill and Mary and Sha Smith. And that was the whole offense. And they moved the football. And Kevin Harris led the SEC in rushing with Javon Gwynn and Dylan Warnham out there 
with Douglas out there, with Ja'Kai Moore out there, and at times Rashawn Lee out there. And I just think they got to figure it out. I, You know, I, I said it. When you get all these nice new toys and weapons, you want to become a guru and show everybody, man, I can really coach. I'm going to do all this stuff. And I'm just wondering if it was too much. I mean, I've always said it, JC, keep it simple, Siderfield. That's the KISS method. You keep it simple, Siderfield. And I think they got to figure it out. Yeah, I, I, thought, I thought Georgia State's defense was great, I mean, you know, as far as their game plan goes, because you, you, you sort of felt like if you watched the spring game at all, you felt like South Carolina's been working on quick game, quick passes. Uh, Beaver did say afterward that it was to attack the perimeter. I don't know that. I don't know if I – maybe they just didn't have time. Maybe maybe the pocket wasn't there. I, I don't know that going way down the field isn't an answer for that kind of uh, scheme that people want to play. But at the same time, you know, they're running Spencer Rattler out of the pocket left and right. So, I mean, how do you how do you let something like that even develop? So, uh, it's just kind of – there's just not – you know, and I think it's almost maybe a positive, guys. There's really just not an answer that, that you can put your finger on. Sometimes that's good because sometimes that just means bottom line play better and they go do. Yeah, I mean, look, this was not five wide with Steve Spurrier calling it. Okay. Remember we used to play Kentucky Spurrier, just go five wide, like about 10 plays in a row, and it'd be a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, every time, every time, guys, South Carolina went five wide, they just said, we're sending more people than you can block. We're not going to sit back and give you time. And almost every time he either had to get it out or he had to run for his life and either throw it away or, you know, make a scramble play. Yeah. Georgia state was effective at just keeping him shook. I mean, Rattler didn't have any time whatsoever. Uh, and when they did go five wide, it's like I was telling JC earlier, I mean, the only throw you have is behind the line of scrimmage to the boundary. And if you don't beat your man, you're, you know, drop for a loss. <laughs> yeah. And the receivers didn't block well either. I mean, no, you know, yeah. they, they, like the, the idea with that is you get blocking on the perimeter and you spring a long one. And I get it. I just, you know, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't I think, know about all that. Go the good thing about what I think we saw this week, and I think it kind of speaks to what you were talking about last week, Keith, is we gave Arkansas a hell of a lot to look at <laughs> and to try to plan for. Um, but it, it looks like you can overcome what it is we're doing if we're not executing with just uh, defensive speed, yeah, <laughs> which is I, what I'm look, worried about. <laughs> yeah, and Trey said, you know, that they do have some injuries in the mm -hmm. secondary yeah. that they're going to have to deal with, especially Catalan, who's a really good player. But, you know, when you kind of look there and it's like, well, Latavius Brandt in Georgia game last year is going to be the, the guy that steps in. Man, he's a good player. You know, <laughs> so you're like, well, you know, I don't know. I mean, how much of an advantage there'll be. Well, well Keith, uh, it's, it's Tuesday, so no prediction. But uh, what, what do you expect? You expect the Gamecocks to come out and, and play a little better this Saturday? You always improve between week one and week two. And I, I do buy into that. But a lot of times the opponents – will dictate how well the outcome is uh, that next week. Yeah, I mean, I thought, look, you have two teams in Arkansas and South Carolina that were both tested 
in week one. It, it was not, you know, Sam Houston or Utah State or Oregon. And I'll just agree with Paul Feinbaum. You know, Dan Lanning's never been a head coach before, and he looked like he had never been a head coach before. You know, th this was, you know, both teams were were pushed. And so I think that's a good thing. And I do think you make improvement from week one to week two. And for South Carolina, you do just have a number of pieces that are playing their, you know, that were playing their first game in that system. Satterfield, Stogner. You know, I thought he kind of disappeared. I wanted more plays to Stogner. I thought he could have been a difference maker. I mean, the safety's 5'9", and they got a, you know, 240-pound, six-foot linebacker. That dude's 6'6". Six, six. Where why aren't we getting him matched up uh, in the mismatch? And then Jaheim Bell, I mean, virtually non-existent in the passing game. To me, those things have got to change this week. But you do make the most progress from week one to week two. And hopefully for Spencer Rattler, that's, you know, eliminating the, the poor decisions and making good decisions and getting the ball out on time. And it's, you know, better blocking on the perimeter. It's better blocking. And then, you know, it's guys going and making plays like Jalen Brooks did. When Spencer Rattler put the ball up, Jalen Brooks went and got it. I thought to me that was maybe the most encouraging thing on offense mm -hmm. was Jalen Brooks finally looking like the player everybody hoped he would be when he transferred in in 2020. Yes, yeah. And, and you know, I've always maintained athletically he looks the part. So, you know, people were griping about Wingate or whatever. Well, it's not like he didn't look like – a good enough athlete to play at this level. He just had some drops and some, some bad luck. And then I think that first game they threw him out there against LSU in 2020 that uh, LSU sort of surprised him <laughs> a little bit. But, shoot, yeah, I mean, like, these are some of the plays, like, last year, uh, and he only played in six games. Last year you thought, well, you know, he would either drop it or he wouldn't quite get there or something. He's getting there this year, and I thought that was uh, – that was good. He's starting ahead of Vant, so there's got to be a reason for that, right? Well, there, there, there are multiple reasons for that, and I'm sure you know that you know all of them just like I do. But I mean, let me say this: one guy on defense that was going to be my my pick, that was my pick for the unheralded guy that I thought was going to really show up, Gilbert Edmond. I yeah. thought uh, he looked as good as any defensive end on South Carolina's roster on Saturday night. Uh, he's just turned 20 years old. He's finally getting to play. And JC, he is a big, fast, physical dude, and he moves uh, very quickly. I thought his performance was very encouraging, not only just for this year, but moving on down the line. Uh, you know, depth at edge is something we talked to death. And we said – Gilbert Edmund, Tyree Johnson, Terrell Dawkins, those guys got to step up. And Gilbert certainly did. And, you know, it's kind of crazy, Keith. He was the last. Yeah. Sometimes those guys work out, especially when you go to Florida and get them, like Sky Moore was one. Uh, last week of uh, – so was Rashad Fenton, by the way. Last week of recruiting, you're kind of looking for a guy, you know, credit Jeff Scott. He found him first. And then the Gamecocks, Travis Robinson, found him after that. And, 
uh, flipped him. He was a linebacker, then uh, played some with his hand down, and really the epitome of a developmental guy. But, you know, a good call because he wasn't 6'5", 250 when he came out. He's about 6'2 and a half, and he's gotten taller, and he's only 20 years old, like you said. And that's what the previous staff really liked about him. But Gilbert, shoot, man, Gilbert may uh, end up having a pretty good year. All right, Keith, go ahead. What about Nick Eamon Worry and DQ Smith? I mean, look, if, if, and we'll find out here in just a little while from Shane Beamer, but I won't be surprised if R.J. Roderick's not out for a few weeks, and I think Nick Eamon Worry uh, may be making his first career start on Saturday. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think the kid's going to back down from the challenge. I mean, boy, that, that that's that's a that, that's actually an under. I mean, everybody knows he made a big play, but when you're that young and in that situation in your first game, and you step up and do that, that's that's pretty. And then, you know, like I said, there's some guys you hear about during preseason camp that really you're like, ah, eh, they're okay or whatever. And then there's some guys you hear about from everybody. J.C. Horn was one, Stephon Gilmore was one, and Nick and Warriors. Like, where it's universal. Chances are that guy's going to be good, and and Nick certainly has played well. He'll take his lumps, right? Uh, it's not easy to defend Kendall Brown's offense, but uh, I think uh, he's very, very promising, as is DQ. All right, Keith, we got to get out of here, man. Uh, thanks for the conversation. Uh, we'll talk to you next week, and hopefully we have better things to talk about. Hopefully it'll be 2-0. and oh. All right, JC, mm-hmm. Bill, you guys have a great week. Look forward uh, to the segment every week. Garnet and Blackstown yes. Hall tonight should be really good. All right. Thank awesome. you, Keith. Thanks, Thanks. Keith. Well, I, uh, things were going so well in that conversation, I, I pushed the mail back till tomorrow. We just let it go. Yes. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, we'll go through and answer them tomorrow. Phil, who do we have tomorrow, by the way? Uh, let's see. Tomorrow. Uh, JB. Yeah, just JB. JB. Yep, we got JB at the end JB of the show. At the end of the show. So we'll, uh, we'll catch up the mailbag and, Plenty of time. Certainly appreciate everybody. Thanks to the Nana Sports chat boxers. Thanks to everybody that got involved with the Sulting Mailback. Thanks to our three guests today. Keith all set. Sawyer next with the mental edge and Trey Biddy to preview the hogs. For Phil Mullinax, it's JC Sherbert. This has been Inside the Game Costa Show. Don't forget, you can always get it on podcast format, iTunes, uh, Spotify, Podbean, you know, wherever you want to get it, you can get the show. Uh, also on YouTube, you know, catch it, the replay, if you would let, rather watch than listen. All right, for Phil Bonax, J.C. Sherbert, we'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been Inside the Gamecocks, the show.